Greetings, everyone. Hope all is well. Welcome to the first uh, episode, the premiere of Mangoes, Chicken, and Breaking Bread. <laughs> um, this is my first podcast, actually, and I'm really appreciative of uh, y'all's time and consideration that this is actually an important enough podcast to, you know, take y'all out of y'all daily routine. Um, what do I say? Well, shit, I can start talking about how I ate a mango today. Um, damn, they're my favorite fruit, you know what I mean? Um, something about the colors, it actually, like, I don't know, brighten up my day. I don't know about y'all, but yellow, orange, and red kind of, um, get me excited. You know, I named the podcast Mango's Chicken and breaking bread because mango is my favorite fruit. Um, come from like a Caribbean background. And chicken, for some reason, I don't know, something about chicken that just makes me feel like safe and social. And maybe that's the reason why, like, I don't know, everybody likes a party with chicken. Um, Yeah, I wanted to put this uh, this podcast together. Um, you know, not only to talk about cliche breaking bread, but literally to talk about the many facets of the black experience. And as you could tell from the uh, you know Caribbean um, choice of fruit, coming from an Afro Latin experience, and uh, the benefit of that is uh, getting like the best of both worlds from you know, an African perspective, or an African diasporic perspective, and a Latin American perspective. But, um, you know, with the, the best of anything comes the worst of anything. And, um, yeah, that's kind of like what I want to touch around, like, right now, right? Um, is just what the hell is going on every time you, you pick up your phone, look at the news, um, and... What I'm gathering is uh, people out here losing their damn mind. One, we still, it's 2020 and we still having conversations about police brutality and racism. Two, we doing so during one of the craziest moments um, in world history, which is COVID. Black and Latino folks three times more likely to uh, to catch COVID than uh, white counterparts. And for some reason, I feel like we're not doing enough, you know. um, George Floyd, uh, that was an event that shocked the world, but it really put me in a space that kind of made me angry. Um, Definitely at uh, the status quo and police, but all, but like me, because I wanted to ask myself, like, what was I doing? You know what I'm saying? Um, like, what what was I doing when it happened? And um, what can I do to prevent it from happening again? Um, and that pushed a reflection of, like, activism. And, you know, you're seeing a whole wave of conscious folks come together and try to figure out how to avoid the George Floyds. How to, how, not the George Floyds, but how to avoid um, 
the police brutality that takes innocent life like George Floyd or the um, the white supremacy that says it's okay for me to, you know, to track down a, a young black man because I'm uncomfortable. Um, and I'm seeing a lot come about in artwork, seeing a lot come about in um, organizing, definitely. Shout out to Black Lives Matter. Um, but technology, right? Um, you know, I think with this technological wave, you know, either we're going to take some folks with us or we're going to leave some folks behind. And that um, pushes me to think about the digital divide, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an age where everything is done digital and um, people's livelihoods are based on their access to digital communication. What does that say about poor folks? What does that say about people in poverty? And and, and that's what I think this uh the, this podcast is is gonna be um unpacking for the next couple of years. With that said, oftentimes the black experience is talked about, you know, in the context of uh alienation, you know being in a strange world and then um looking uh looking towards the future so the future what does that look like And here we have the concept of Afrofuturism. So after all, what the hell is Afrofuturism? You know what I'm saying? Um, Think of it like this. It's like an aesthetic that explores technology and culture, particularly the black diaspora culture. Um, You can trace the origins of Afrofuturism to mid-century approach to music. Um, musical influences considered... Um, I'm sorry, musical influences like like hard bop. You know, you find traces of Afrofuturism in sounds coming from George Clinton. Um, and if you look on one of Miles Davis's um, album covers... Japanese artists actually used um, visions based in the future, but with an Afrocentric twist to it. Um, again, you know, oftentimes uh, talking about the black experience it includes alienation and, and looks towards the future. So it's, it's only right that, you know, folks take imagination and start to illustrate what that looks like. It's definitely something to look into, you know, as we consider the plight of black American life today. um, It's going to be really important to, you know, create a world where it's, it's driven by innovation, but innovation for all. And I think that's what black futurism does is is it doesn't leave anybody out while considering what the future is going to look like 
Um, yeah, so I'm chilling. Um, actually, uh, got one of my homies around, uh, Amber Cooper. What's up, fam? Hi. That shit was corny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I accept you. Love you for who you are. Thank um, Amber Cooper is a uh, high education professional who actually started reading up on this um, on this Afrofuturism thing and years ago. Uh, years ago, you know what I'm saying. So, um, yeah, Amber, if you could break bread on that and just tell us what um, you know what uh, what you know about Afrofuturism and why you know it's important. So to just kind of set the stage, Afrofuturism itself as a concept, um, well, one was coined by a white guy, but that's okay. Um, but it does, it's exactly what you said, um, but it's important to distinguish that that aesthetic from that definition of Afrofuturism is pretty much centered on the black experience in the Western world, essentially the black experience in America which is not to be confused uh, for the Black American experience. Um, for the newly initiated, you say Afrofuturism, the first thing they'll think about is probably Wakanda. But essentially what this is about is how Black people envision themselves, not just envision themselves in the future, but create the future that they want to live in. For sure. Right? So it's most well known for how it's expressed in visual um, expressions like art, music, film, that kind of thing. But where I discovered Afrofuturism was actually in literature. Um, there is an author, and this is not new, by the way. Frederick Douglass was an Afrofuturist. You know what I'm saying? So mm. when we really think about it, this is really not just the, what's produced, but the people who are doing this producing are not just imagining the world that they want to live in, but they're also actively trying to create that world in real time. So while some people think it's just a matter of fantasies, you read Octavia Butler's books, she was an Afrofuturist. And a lot of her work was not on another, well, some of her work was about being on another planet, but uh, one of the series that she's uh, very well known for is called the Parable Series. Um, and the parable series, if you are to read it, has striking similarities to America today. And when I say striking, I literally mean you can find exact quotes in her books that she wrote in the early 90s from politicians that we have now in, um, in 2020. And so, you know, what she did was not just envision the future, but she was trying to figure out what is the pathway to that ideal future. And in that parable series, it was a young lady who going through this, basically not even post-apocalyptic, what, what happened was political upheaval destroyed the nation, essentially. Um, climate, like all the things you can think about that we're talking about in the news right now is what went down in her book. But this young lady, a teenager actually, to speak of the power of youth, um, decides that her way forward is to build a new community around a new religion that she's creating. So, you know, you can look at Afrofuturism in a lot of different ways, but it actually started way, 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 way back in the late 19th century. Um, and you can look up on Amazon, there are compilations of uh, Afrofuturist literature from far before when we had this common term and aesthetic to describe it around. 
Someone else you might consider um, if you're newly initiated to Afrofuturism, Janelle Monet, prime mm. example. She's like a poster child for it. She came out as, as an android. Even before that, remember how her aesthetic on her albums was as a robot. Mm. So it's also about how we're integrating technology into uh, the future, especially for marginalized and, and oppressed people. Um, and so in terms of how it works in present day and how you can actually apply Afrofuturism, your imagination is one of the most powerful tools that you have. And, you know, when you're thinking about the ideal future that you want, your next step is to look at your life right now and figure out what are the small steps I can take to make that happen. So there's a lot of activist circles that are influenced by Octavia's um, uh, novels, uh, whether she's on Earth or whether she goes to space. She investigates, you know, what humans are like in those hard times and things like that. Or whether you're talking about, you know, access to the internet for marginalized people. Whether you are talking about environmental racism. Like, it doesn't have to be all tech and Wakanda. It is literally the real life, um, day-to-day, some people view as mundane things that we want to change about the ideal world and the ideal communities that we live in. That's Afrofuturism as well. Um, and I would also like to state that for my previous point about this being very Western centric, I would encourage you to, in parallel to learning more about Afrofuturism itself, um, to look at African futurism, because that is distinct to the cultures as they exist on, on the continent. And there's an author, um, that I love who is pretty outspoken about this. Her name is Enedi. Okorafor, um, and she wrote a novel called Binti. I have a few here, but I can't remember all the titles, but Binti is a trilogy, I believe. Um, so she's an excellent resource to talk more about African futurism and how it is not even a response to Afrofuturism. It's just distinct. It is something that decentralizes the Western world, which For I sure. think is really, really important mm. as we are thinking about the liberation struggle here is actually more connected to global liberation struggles than we think it is. I mean, how could it not be, right? I mean, this is a country covered in colonies and mm. um, that has impacted their culture or whatever. For you sure. know, you think about the uh, black Brazilians, that's one of the highest concentrations of black people in the world. Um, you think of the Bahia region, that is predominantly black. You know, all these different places where anti-blackness exists. Mm. Um, and so you can kind of choose your lane on, you know, what end of that spectrum that you're on. But essentially, it's using the power of your imagination to, to envision that new world in real time. Um, yeah, so it, whether you explore that through fictional literature, whether you explore that through film, it's actually really, really fun. Oh, you know who else is an Afrofuturist? Who? Missy Elliott. Missy. Think back to those old... That's a great project. Think back to old music videos. Mm-hmm. Janet Jackson's music video for that one song she did when she was in The Nutty Professor. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Oh, my gosh. Scream. Yes. Scream. These are prime examples, right? But this is before we had all this common vernacular to share across social media and things go viral. But it's been done already. And that's just in the in the visual art space, in the music arena. STEM. Missy Elliott's videos that's were crazy. Yeah, the, the way science would show up in those, the way technology would show up mm-hmm. in those music videos. Those are some of my favorites. 
Um, Janet Jackson on that big old sliding disc doing that choreography. She had that pet electronic dog. I actually got one of those for Christmas. Um, yeah, so it, it shows up in a lot of different places, but I'd encourage people to just kind of dive in. There's like a million different pathways you can take through exploring Afrofuturism, whatever works best for you. Um, yeah, and it has its own kind of distinctions and um, cultural you know, uniqueness that I think is will be fascinating to a lot of people. Yo, thanks for that, man. Um, yeah, this is big. This is really big. And I think we can learn a lot from it. Um, you know, we, we constantly hear about um, this, this open-mindedness that we're supposed to navigate the world with, um, you know, being a forever student. Uh, you, you've heard of some shit like that before, right? Working in yeah. our area, lifelong learning is kind of our jam. Absolutely. And with that said, you know, I, I think it's important that while we're lifelong learners and, and eternal students, like, we still have to pick our classroom. You know what I'm saying? We still have to pick a, you know, like a major in this university of life. And Afrofuturism is, is, is definitely something that I think um, is, is a core requirement. Reminds me of Du Bois and his comment um, that he wrote about, you know, um, comet comes, takes out a city, black guy comes, rescues a white woman, they link up. But then as, as it turns out, the comet only took out, um, you know, just a piece of population and her fiance returns and then that relationship that she had with the black woman, I mean, the black man, you know, like, turns to nothing. And it just makes you wonder, you know what I'm saying, about um, race and relationships that we have with people. Um, and I think that, you know what I mean, that should, that should definitely drive a lot of conversations. So I'm really grateful that we got to open up um, the space about Afrofuturism as we continue to move through life. Um, so yeah, you know, um, man, I tell you, I'm about as full as I was when I slapped that, uh, spaghetti and fried chicken earlier. Um, goodness, man. I'm hoping, uh, get a little more of that, but I'm, I'm also trying to make, um, you know, I had some salmon not too long ago and on it, I had some mango chutney. I want to learn how to make like a mango flavor salmon. Like, I think that'd be dope. I think that'd be super dope. Mad random, but I think that'd be super dope. Anyways, um, so that concludes the first, uh, first episode of Mangoes, Chicken, and Breaking Bread. I hope y'all um, learned something, um, and I hope y'all were inspired. Um, keep your head up. Stay happy and healthy. Um, and um, I'll see y'all next week. Holla.